0: And another thing that is valuable if our kids actually are afraid of mistakes is having that conversation with them about some mistakes that you've made. Oh yeah. We we do that around the the dinner table sometimes um when the year that our son was having a really hard year in school, you know, he would come home and be very upset about things that were going on and and I would tell stories about his uncle who is my brother who <laughs> also had kind of a troubled elementary career for a while. And I would tell stories about me, you know, and, and even things, um, I think just the other day you were talking to to them about a mistake that you made and, um, talking about it in a language that, that shows them that we actually learn from those things and we can do better next time. And it's not the end of the world that we made this mistake, but that we can recover and move into a place of greater wisdom.
1: Yeah.
2: Hey Ben,
1: how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I was sick at the beginning of the week.
2: Yeah, you were.
1: And I, I actually, I wanted to start the week because, well, I'll, I'll share this. So we did a 33 day challenge eating Mm -hmm. very limited carbs, no sugars, no processed foods,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and it was probably the best I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. It was really great. We, we got to the end of that and we spent the weekend with your parents. And yeah. while we were there, we you know, ate quite a bit of processed food.
0: <laughs> because they, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe that threw my stomach off or whatever. But I was, I was really sick at the beginning of the week.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I, I wanted to jump right back in on Monday, start you know, first thing in the morning, five mile run, Get all of that junk out of my system and, mm-hmm. and get things going right. And I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. So finally went on a run last night and it just, it felt so good. I don't know. I, I had this sensation of, you know, the discomfort of running.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I could, I could feel that discomfort, but it almost felt like separate, almost the way that you're aware of a car having trouble you know, once it needs an oil change or something like that, like, like you're driving it and you can feel the effects of the car struggling, but it's, but you're separate from it somehow. I don't know. It was hard to explain. Yeah. It was, it was really great though. Kind of a, a nice introduction back into it. Yeah. So it's good. And you are finishing up a workout series that you've been doing for a while. And you were talking to me this morning about possibly starting the Insanity Workout Program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for it after having the last baby. So,
1: so if, if you don't know what that is, you should look it up.
0: It's, yeah, it's pretty intense.
1: It's a 60-day workout program. I, I think the furthest I've made it into it was like 35 days.
0: Oh, you don't know me.
1: No, well, no I, I yeah, know you. You do know me. <laughs> well, today we are going to talk about the fine balance between privileges and responsibility, or responsibilities, okay. as I, I made it plural. Um, I wanted to talk first about the relationship between the two, and to do that, I wanted to dissect the word privileges. So privileges are basically freedoms. We, we experience them as adults without really even thinking about them as privileges. They're just kind of givens, like we get to pick our own clothes we get to decide what we're going to do with our time at the end of the day before we go to bed. Uh, we get to, you know, we could stay up and watch a movie or we could, we could sit there and read a book. And then there, there are some bigger freedoms or privileges that we get as adults. You know, maybe it comes in the form of being able to take a vacation, um, travel somewhere, you know, do something fun or entertaining. Mm-hmm. So, so for kids, um, a lot of it comes down to just the autonomy, being able to do things for themselves, the freedom to do certain activities, play certain games, you know, have, have time to play video games, going and getting their own food whenever they want to, you know, that kind of stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and the way the relationship between privileges and responsibilities works is basically the more responsibility someone takes on, the more privileges they're afforded. So privileges grow with responsibility. And we've seen that with our kids. Um, we've, we've seen the opposite of that too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: A, a very recent example is our four-year-old twins. I'm having trouble now. They are four, right? Yes. Okay. Our four-year-old twins, when they, when they take a nap, we were allowing them the privilege of having stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. That and that seems like a really mm-hmm. basic thing. Like it's like yeah. oh they're you know they're kids they get stuffed animals. But they are
0: also twins.
1: So what? <laughs> so what happened yesterday is you walked in to get them up from their nap,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and there were there was fluff and basically stuffed animal stuffing
0: mm-hmm. everywhere,
1: all over the floor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that privilege of having a stuffed animal
0: has now been revoked.
1: Yeah, it was it was up against the responsibility of not destroying the stuffed animal.
0: Dismantling yeah. a stuffy.
1: And and so that's you know, that's a really basic example. Another mm-hmm. another example is one of the one of the privileges our oldest had was being able to play his video game in his room. Um, that comes along with the responsibility of setting a timer and when the timer goes off, you know, stopping and bringing the iPad or whatever he's playing the game on back to us and saying, okay, my time is up.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, again, seems like a really straightforward thing. But, but if he doesn't do that, if, if his timer goes off and he can, continues playing, then he doesn't have the the privilege of being able to do that in the privacy of his own room yeah you know he has he has to be monitored because he's not being responsible with that right so so that's essentially how it works um specific privileges can grow with specific responsibilities so there can be there can be something really specific like the case of oh you can play video games in your room because you're consistently you know, when your timer goes off, you're consistently stopping and bringing it to me. You're doing that over and mm-hmm. over.
0: Yeah. You've proven that you are responsible
2: enough.
1: Yeah. But, but also there can be kind of a generally responsible, you know, so if, if you're displaying a general sense of responsibility in other things, you might also earn privileges in other areas that are not necessarily related mm-hmm. because it's assumed that because you've demonstrated responsibility in this area, that translates to you being responsible in some other area. Right. This is consistent with life experience. So the more responsibility someone is willing to take as an adult, the more privilege and power they are given.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: If somebody is acting irresponsibly, you know, consistently running late or not meeting deadlines, not fulfilling their, their duties, whatever it is, then privileges are taken away Freedoms are taken away. That's you know some managers decide. Okay, I need to really micromanage this person now. I can't. uh, They need somebody to kind of be looking over their shoulder. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And we and we all know we've had managers like that even when we've been responsible. We know how awful that feels. And so the home, this time of of raising children, is a really great time to help our children get a good grasp on the relationship between responsibility and privileges.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Jeremiah in the chat said, coloring on the walls equals no more coloring without parental supervision. Yep. Yeah. So what is responsibility? What is, what is responsibility to you?
0: I mean, it's, it's being given some kind of thing to do, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's a hard thing to define for me.
1: Yeah, it is. So, I mean,
0: how would you define it?
1: Well, the, the way that I like to think about responsibility is it's ownership of a task or idea. Yeah. And, and this is why I, I feel like there's a difference between responsibility and just simple obedience.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, ob- obedience can come from a lot of different things. It can come from... Respect and love. It can also come from fear, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily of the person giving the direction, but of the potential outcome.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, wh- whereas ownership is more, I understand why this needs to be done. I see the benefit of doing it, and I want to do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more um, as we go along. But I want to. I want to talk about where the motivation comes from for taking ownership and taking responsibility. And I think privileges play a huge, huge role.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So similar to the way that when we talk about consequences, there's, there's that old saying, you know, let the punishment fit the crime. And I, don't, I definitely don't like the word punishment. Yeah. But what we try to do as much as we can is when there is some... Offense Mm
3: -hmm.
1: or or some um, misbehavior, we try to make sure that the consequence is related to that misbehavior, Mm -hmm. so that so that they can see how what they are experiencing as a consequence of their choices is related to their choice. You know, when it's something that's arbitrary or or unrelated, it's really it's a it's a lot more difficult to understand. Well, why shouldn't I do this? Mm So, so I think responsibility and and taking responsibility, taking ownership and the privilege being related to that is really similar because if, if the privilege is actually linked to the kind of responsibility they're taking on, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot easier for them to grasp why they should take ownership. And so, um, going, you know, going back to the video game example, one of the things that our oldest wants when he wants to play the video game in his room is for his brothers not to bother him.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He wants the privilege of having his own space, and so that can that can work for a lot of different things. But in that specific scenario, it's okay. Well, if you want to have your own space, um, I can't come up and check on you constantly, and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So what that means is if you want to have your own space, you need to be the one who recognize, who, who sets the timer, recognizes when it goes off, and makes the, makes the right choice to stop playing and bring the iPad back to me. You know, so if you can take on that responsibility, you can have all the privacy you want. And I think I've even said things like that to the kids before, both in a specific and in a very general sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Out of just sometimes out of desperation. I'm like, you know, you guys, if you, if you were just responsible and you took care of your own stuff, you could do whatever you wanted. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother you. That's, um, that's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's better to make sure they understand the connection between the privilege they want and the responsibility that goes with that than to try to give them some unrelated reward, you know? So like, if you, if you are responsible and you turn the thing off when it's time and bring it back to me, then you'll get a treat or a Mm -hmm. cookie or, you know, that, that doesn't quite make as strong of a connection for them. Yeah. All right. So should privileges ever be taken away?
0: Well, when it's connected to the responsibility that they fail to follow through on,
3: yes.
1: I agree. This is how it works in the real world. When you act irresponsibly, you become limited in your freedom. Mm -hmm. So kind of like I said in the beginning, it's really important for our children as they grow up in this environment where uh, where they're loved and their identity isn't linked to their behavior and it's important for them to learn these lessons
3: mm-hmm. and to
1: have those experiences because there's not as much at stake for them. But to, but to create an environment that doesn't reflect how things work in the real world is doing them a disservice.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's not fun to take privileges away. But it's also often for the better of everybody involved, especially in our family, when there are so many, you know, we, we have six kids.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the community members, Jeremiah has seven. <laughs> and we will
0: not be keeping up by the way.
1: No, we, we won't. <laughs> we're, we're good. You win. It's, yep, We're done. We're totally good with that. <laughs> um, but, but taking away certain privileges when somebody is not being responsible kind of becomes a necessity. Mm-hmm. In that situation, because I can't, I can't allow for somebody's irresponsible, irresponsibility to affect every other person in the family. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Now it's not as cut and dry as that, you know, it's, it, it can get really complicated. And we're going to talk about that later too. Jeremiah brought up a really great comment that is going to lead to some good discussion later. Mm -hmm. What's most important though, is if you're taking privileges away you need to make sure to reinforce the idea that that's not tied to your child's identity. It's not tied to their self-worth.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing that's really difficult is you, you want privileges for your child. You want them to have those freedoms. And you, you want them to take on the responsibility because you know the benefits of that. And when your child just doesn't quite get that yet, it's it's difficult because you feel frustrated for them and at them at the same time.
3: hmm Yeah. Right? hmm
1: So you're you're dealing with these emotions.
0: I think most of mine is frustration at them.
1: <laughs> I that's and that's okay. True
0: confession. <laughs> yeah.
1: But when when your child sees anger on your face or they hear a harsh tone,
3: mm-hmm.
1: they don't they don't understand that that is about what they did. And, and often what happens is they associate that with what they did and who they are. And so now they're afraid of taking on responsibility because they don't want to make a mistake. Right. Now, as parents, it's really, really difficult not to be emotionally expressive in a situation where we're having to take away privileges.
0: You know, I just want to say here too, I think it also works. It's not just the anger. It's also the disappointment because I remember as a kid when I was disciplined, it wasn't like I, I wasn't, uh, when I was older, I wasn't, you know, spanked or anything like that. I was when I was younger, um, and have some scars from that, but the, seeing the disappointment, like I was, I was disciplined through disappointment. It was like, you know if you if you mess up if you rev- if you don't follow through on this responsibility i'm going to show you how disappointed i am in you and that kind of that also um has effects on what a child how secure a child is in their identity you know like yeah. i i kind of i mean i have fought it all my life to figure out do do i disappoint people you know and and that can turn you into peop- a people pleaser or it can turn you into you know someone else entirely. And so I think we also have to be, I know that I struggle with this whenever I'm in a discipline moment is trying not to express my extreme disappointment in you know what they've chosen to do.
1: Yeah. And I, I want to be careful here not to scare parents or, or make you feel like, well, crap, I'm going to mess my child up because I feel like I, I barely have control over How I respond in this. Yeah, it's really hard. It it is very hard. And it's just important to be aware Mm -hmm. of that potential. Because I mean, honestly, it's going to happen. Yeah. The the way that you I mean, unless unless you're a superhuman, it's it's nearly impossible to hold back every emotional expression that you have. What's important is when you can circle back and make sure that you communicate that, uh, that you reinforce that idea that um, what they do is not who they are to you. Mm-hmm. And also that your disappointment and your frustration is for them, right. not at them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it may feel in the moment like it's at them. Yeah. It does cost you something personally when somebody else makes a mistake but but the over the overriding feeling is I I really want this for you and and I want it for me um, but I can't I can't let you be responsible for my feelings you know yeah. I'm responsible for my feelings so really I want I mostly I just want this for you
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it may be that your child is not developmentally. Uh, in a place where they're ready for that yet, they're re- they may not be ready to take on certain responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think th- this has been the most the most difficult thing with our boys,
3: mm-hmm.
1: especially our twins. They're they are all, and I know that the, it sounds a certain way coming from their dad, but they're all they're all very intelligent.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they've all excelled academically and, and have always kind of been ahead of the curve intellectually. And what's difficult is to see that and to not assume that same level of aptitude in other areas.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so what that has led us to do is to hold these false expectations from time to time that really get us in trouble.
0: I've also found that because we have several that we kind of compare between the two. So if the oldest was able to do a certain thing by a certain age, we think number two will be able to do that as well. And I remember this coming into play during potty training because number one, potty trained at like two years old. Number two wasn't fully potty trained until he was like four, you know, he was still yeah. like wetting the bed at night. And I remember being so frustrated and disappointed because of that, because I was like, he, he should be able to do this. But those were false expectations because every kid is different.
1: Yeah. And so now our four-year-old twins, who, if we're being honest, did not get the same kind of attention and care that the other ones did when they were little, not because we were neglectful, but because there were two of them and we were also raising three other young boys. Mm
0: -hmm. When the twins were born, we had four kids, two and younger that's, yeah. that's just like overwhelming to me
1: <laughs> and, and so so' there's, there's just the, the simple fact of we couldn't give them the same kind of attention.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There's the fact that they were born premature
3: mm-hmm.
1: and the fact that they're twins, so that that just complicates things in, uh, in terms of how they communicate and share ideas and yeah and stuff like that. and so what what we're still struggling through even today is holding false expectations over them based on what we experienced with our other kids. Mm-hmm. And it's a That's constant... That's been really,
0: really hard.
1: It's a constant fight for us to remember to, to not project our expectations on them based mm-hmm. on what we've experienced before, but to, but to, but to try to look at them individually and objectively.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. So we haven't fully figured that out. Mm-hmm. We're, we're still struggling through that.
2: Yeah.
0: I hear from people all the time. There was somebody who, I, I think I talked about it. She stopped me on the side of the road and was like, I just see you every morning walking your boys to school and you just look like you have it together. And I was like, oh my gosh. You, you no. just started laughing
1: hysterically.
0: <laughs> like laugh crying.
1: <laughs> I, have a, I have a gift for that somewhere. <laughs> So here's where I'd like to create a focal point that I think is, is really going to make things a lot easier. Now, it's, it's good to deal with things on a case-by-case basis. and um, when, when, you're, when you're talking about responsibility and privileges, you almost can't talk about those things without also talking about misbehavior and consequences and mistakes and, and all of those kinds of things.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think they're very intermingled. And it can get really easy to try to zoom in too far and, and really make it complicated. Like, okay, so you, to, to make the idea of responsibility a complicated thing,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, to say, well, you're, you're not being responsible in this specific area and we need to work on this specific area. Um, when I was thinking about this, I actually thought about something that I, I learned from just the, the study of the Bible. So the Pharisees had 613 laws. Mm-hmm. I think I've got that number right. They had 613 laws that they had come up with. You know, they, they extrapolated from the original Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Right, so then, then you zoom out and say, okay, but but really, if you follow these ten commandments, that, those are the most that important. Basically, covers the yeah. six hundred and thirteen. Like that's the that's the spirit of what those six hundred and thirteen other laws were trying mm-hmm. to accomplish. But they they were so focused on, no, we need to get it right,
0: every single one of them.
1: We, yeah, so so they you know they made it really complicated. But then you can zoom out even further and there's what you have as the greatest commandment where Jesus says that all of the, all of the law is summed up in this, mm-hmm. love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so kind of taking that idea and applying it to the situation, we can get really zoomed in on the specific responsibilities and rules and consequences and from time to time that may be necessary,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but always, always go back to the purpose of it all. Mm-hmm. So for us, we've got, we've got our family values and these family values that we've come up with, there are 13 of them, um, come out of what is our family mission statement. And our family mission statement is just a, a quote from E.E. E. Cummings says, love is the whole and more than all.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So that can, that can be up for interpretation, but, but essentially for, for us, what that means is, you know, we're a family and we love each other. And, and, and so then you can go from there. When you, when you love somebody who's in your family you're not going to do something that's going to make life more difficult for them. Not purposefully,
3: mm-hmm.
1: not knowingly. And it just kind of expands from there. But that, that main value needs to be the primary focus uh, focal point for everything else that you teach and do with your kids.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: When it comes to responsibility, that's where you always need to point back to. So why should... Why should they be responsible in this area? Well, because uh, when you clean up after yourself, nobody else has to do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well why does that matter? Well, because everybody else has their own stuff to do, and in order for this family to run smoothly, you know we, we need to be doing our part and And so when somebody else has to clean up your mess, they don't have as much time to do their part, and things get more difficult.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, why does that matter? Well, because you don't want things to be more difficult for them because we love each other, and you know maybe uh, maybe you'll need their help at some point, you know, and it's going to be easier for them to feel like helping you if you haven't inconvenienced them constantly,
3: mm-hmm. you
1: know. So like you can you can always bring it back to the main value and say, okay, so here's here's why we really do it because we love each other.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not going to make a mess. In the kitchen, and then say, "Hey, you need to clean. Come clean this up." That wouldn't be. Well, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I'm. I'm saying me as the adult. (laughs) Like I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a mess in my room, and
0: and make me clean it up.
1: Well, sometimes I do that, but (laughs) no, I'm not gonna make a mess in my room and tell our oldest to come clean up the mess that I made. Yeah. And and it's not just because that's not fair. So, so there is that aspect of it, but most of all, it's because I, I love him and I don't, I wouldn't want to do that to him
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and I know better, you know? So, so anyways, all of that to say, if the, if the values are the focal point, then everything else eventually can fall into place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to zoom in, but, but every single time, link it back to that main overarching value. All right, so I want to get into some questions that came... Out of this episode, this was. Can I just add something here, real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: Jeremiah had said the tough thing, too, is the fact that when you have to limit your child, you also feel limited yourself because the lack of responsibility of the child. And I think um, that's part of the frustration that we have as parents because when we let our kids have responsibility, it kind of frees us up to do other things. You know, I know there was one day you took three of the boys grocery shopping and you left three of them at home and I was working, but you know, it was safe to leave them home and you gave them specific instructions yeah. on how to act and they did not follow those instructions. And so what that does for either you or me is that it, it either takes time away from my work time or it saddles you with taking six of them to the grocery store, which is kind of a nightmarish thing. And so I think that's part of the frustration that we have as parents too.
1: Yeah. And, and I, so I definitely experienced that and, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out this idea and I don't, I don't think it's a popular one out there. Hmm. And I've, I've also fought against this way of thinking before, but I, I used to hate hearing anybody who said anything resembling, well, you're the one who chose to have so many kids.
0: Yeah. I usually want to, well, I won't say.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) so I, I hate I hate that coming from somebody else. I've
0: got some memes for you if you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but the, thing that I, the thing that I see as being a huge benefit to myself is to just say the reality is part of what comes along with having any number of children
3: mm-hmm.
1: is that because, because they're developing, because they need to be taught how to do these things, because they don't come into the world capable of handling all of this responsibility that's going to be that's part of the package that's part of what I'm going to have to experience and deal with
3: Mm -hmm.
1: instead of thinking well I should be able to you know like I I think sometimes back to what it was like before kids you know being able to leave the house right away and stuff like that and if if I think that I should be able to do that when I've also chosen to have children,
3: mm-hmm.
1: then I'm, I'm not taking responsibility for that aspect of my life.
0: And I you'll guess. be perpetually frustrated.
1: Yeah. So, and, and it's not, that doesn't make it easy. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, you know, it's no less hard, but that's, I feel so much better taking responsibility and saying, no, this is what I chose.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: not only did I choose this, which is hard sometimes, but I also chose this, which is joyful and wonderful and life changing mm-hmm. in in other ways that far offset um, any of the hardship that I experience on a day to day basis. So, yeah don't don't be the person who says that to me, but I don't mind saying it to myself. You know i ch- I chose this. And it's a difficult thing to experience, but it is part of the choice that I made. All right.
0: So questions.
1: This first one was from Jeremiah. He said, when you have multiple children who are all close in age, how do you handle giving privileges to the child who shows signs of being ready for it when they may have an older sibling that is not quite there yet?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: How can you keep this from causing issues between parents and siblings.
0: Yeah, we've been through that. Our second oldest is extremely responsible. Um, Like I would probably, I I think the oldest now walks them all home from school because he's technically the right age, but the second one is the one who like takes the reins on that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even though he's only seven.
1: Yeah, and I think what helps is not thinking about responsibility in terms of age. Mm -hmm. Age can play a part you know the longer somebody's alive the the more time they're uh they've had to develop hopefully the more (laughs) the more likely it is that they're ready for responsibilities before someone who's younger but that's that's definitely not always true yeah and so and okay so this is something we're definitely guilty of we have given privileges out based on age Mm -hmm. definitely yeah I mean, the, the privilege of staying up later, mm-hmm. the privilege of, um, not having to come in as early as everybody else to take a bath mm-hmm. you know, like, so there's kind of this double standard going on mm-hmm. now where we've given away certain privileges just based on age, which really is not a meaningful marker for whether or not somebody is ready for certain responsibility. Yeah. I mean that's why they have drivers tests because okay at a certain yeah age, you're
0: assessing
1: at a certain age you can get your uh, learner's permit you can get your license but you have to take the test and pass it to see whether or not you're actually ready yeah so then, so you
0: should test your child and everything is what you're saying
1: yeah make I'm them sit kidding. down <laughs> um. So, so anyways, that, what that question does for me is it just makes me aware of that double standard and makes me think, okay, so one, I need to stop giving away privileges simply based on age. Yeah. And I think maybe that's okay if the, if the privilege is, well, I don't know. I don't want to get too complicated well, it's with tr- it. Well,
0: it's true that as kids get older, they don't need quite as much sleep. So the whole, you know, staying up a little later is valid for certain ages. But you know some other things like I, I wouldn't trust our 9-year-old with home alone. Like I'm I would probably wait until our second son is old enough to be home alone, you know. And yeah. then we and then we could leave kids home alone.
1: Yeah. So the more you know your kid, the easier it's going to be right. to see what they're ready for in terms of and then the less you're doing the privileges based on age thing, the easier it's going to be for you to point to responsibility as the mm-hmm. reason why somebody has a privilege. Yeah, you know, I was so going to say... They, I, if they complain... Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking to your kids about why a certain one has this certain privilege, you yeah. know? Because if if a kid has shown over and over that he's responsible enough to handle this privilege and he's younger than the, you know, than someone else, then... Open up that conversation and say, you know what, he he has proved over and over that he is capable of handling this responsibility, and that's why he gets the privilege attached to it.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's a that's a very healthy conversation, as opposed to, well, you're he, you know, I know you're older than he is, so I guess you should get that privilege too, or
2: yeah, uh huh.
1: Okay, so then he asked another question: any tips on how to counsel children? That the responsibilities of being a part of the family are not optional.
0: (laughs) We've had that conversation before too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, 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 my fingers are so close together right now, Rachel. I am this close. Yeah. To pulling the trigger on this thing that I've wanted to do, which is for after dinner chores. Uh Nobody gets to go play outside until all of the after dinner chores are done.
2: Yeah.
0: Because Because it's collective responsibility. It's not just one person.
1: Yeah. Well, and because I want to promote the idea that we are all in this together. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm not responsible and, and I don't do my job, we don't have f- food to put on the table. You know, like there's, I have a role to play in the family. I have, there are things that I need to do. And so I, I want everybody eventually to have that level of ownership where it's like, No, I'm, I'm part of this family. I don't want to be unfair, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so where I, where I can, I want to make sure that it's not like, but if somebody has the dishes, you know, with you and somebody else has wiping off the table, well, those, those two jobs take a very different amount of time and work,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? So I, I think in that situation, it's fair for the person who's just wiping off the table to say, okay, okay. How can I help out so that we can all finish sooner and move on to the next thing? Yeah. But how do you, but how do, you do that? That mm-hmm. was the question. Any tips on how to counsel children?
0: We've, we've had this conversation over and over with our kids about, you know, we are a family unit, we are a team. And when one person is lacking in their responsibility toward the family, the whole family suffers. And you know what? Tough break, kid. You were born into this family. So
1: <laughs> Well, and they're they're gonna be in situations. Um you know, I'll bring I'll bring that up in the from his next comment. Okay. Another thing I thought though was that sometimes I will say, Well, I didn't make that mess. I shouldn't have to clean it up. Like I'll actually
0: Which the boys have been using now.
1: Yeah. And and <laughs> so I think there's part of it is being really careful about how you so so there are some legitimate situations definitely where where it's like no I I didn't make that mess you made that mess you need to be responsible and clean that up but there's also an aspect of demonstrating the the teamwork and that value of hey we're all a part of the same family yeah that lends itself to okay I didn't I didn't help make this mess, but I am going to help you clean it up. And so there's, there's a demonstration there of that value versus just saying it and making them live into that where you're actually showing them what it looks like. Yeah. And so finding, finding the balance there, I think is a great place to start. He, uh, Jeremiah said, that makes me think of something else. As a parent of so many kids, uh, he has seven. It is really a task to make sure that you look at the actions of each child separately because otherwise you could restrict the privileges of the older ones based on the actions of the younger ones. Um, and, and I told him that happens to us on a daily, mm-hmm. sometimes hourly basis. And what you just said, I'll say it a little bit more gently, where you said, tough luck, you were born into it. A... Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: but it's it's impossible. It's I mean, it's really difficult even for parents who have... You know, two to three kids to keep track of the res- the responsibility of their children at all times. Yeah, things are things are going to happen that are unfair, mm-hmm. and the the role that we're in as parents is having to make those tough calls. And sometimes we're going to be wrong, and it's going to be unfair, and it's going to be frustrating. Mm-hmm. But that's also kind of what happens in life, and there are two things. One is that's a reflection of how life works. And so it's good for them to have that experience. There is a reality that they, you know, they're in circumstances that they have no control over being in a large family and in, in, in real life, they're going to be in circumstances that they don't have any control over.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and the only thing that you can control is how you're going to respond in that situation. And so you can point to things being unfair as much as you want to, but if you're not willing to take personal responsibility, and, and so what I hope for our kids is when they find themselves in that situation, which they will, that they think to themselves, okay, if, if I take on as much responsibility as possible, I'll make it easier for mom and dad not to have to worry about me so that they can focus more of, you know, their resources on managing the other kids. And then I get the benefit of being a partner with them Mm -hmm. instead of just being someone else they have to be concerned over.
0: If our kids would just understand that they'd have a much stronger, well, not stronger, but like a more quality relationship with us if they actually like contributed and... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I I think about how much time we spend teaching them about what not to do, Yeah, you know? And if they could just master that, we would have such a great relationship with all kinds of fun things, you know? Well, well, don't hold your
1: breath. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We wouldn't be spending so much time on discipline stuff. But I've actually been thinking about that concept for a while, about just looking at all of your kids as one unit. And it gets really hard in the craziness of life to separate them out to be individuals. But I think even uh, for the sake of connection, it helps because whenever the kids are kind of losing their minds, which ours do a lot, Hmm. um, it's really, really hard to even look at one of them and be like, I want to hang out with you, you know? Yeah. Because it feels like all you've done is put out fires all day. And uh, I see this a lot with our twins because they don't, they don't both always misbehave. You know, it's usually like one or the other of them is just having a really rough day. But because they're a unit, it becomes this, oh, both of them are really, really hard today. You know, and I even say that in my language. But it's really important to separate them out because...
1: And sometimes you can't do that in the moment. Sometimes you have to retell the story afterwards and Mm -hmm. and think back. Yeah. Okay, in the middle of that craziness, I know it felt like it was all of them screaming at the same time. But
0: it was really only this one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or these
0: two or these three.
1: <laughs> or, or it was just that one who was sitting there quietly and reading his book and actually not making any noise. Yeah. I want to hang out with that one. Yeah. <laughs> you get to be my favorite today. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're not. <laughs> all right. Last question. Eric asked, um to me responsibility means you let them take consequences and potential failure sometimes one of my kids has fear of failure have you had this with any of your kids so this is this is getting into an interesting conversation where it's not necessarily that they're not responsible enough to take on certain responsibility or to take on certain privileges mm-hmm. but maybe they're responsible enough but they are afraid they're going to make a mistake or mess up. And so mm-hmm. they don't take responsibility. You know, they, they allow you to continue doing something for them and they're willing to sacrifice the potential freedom or privilege they might get from something because they don't want to mess up.
0: Or sometimes they just, they don't want to do something that's hard. Our, our oldest didn't tie his tennis shoes until he was in third grade because it was too tedious.
3: Yeah, oh, I'm true. sorry. In
0: second grade. He did it in second grade. But yeah. And then, and then our second born son didn't want to even try because he's kind of like, uh, our first son is very, very gifted and intelligent. And I think that the second son feels a little bit of a shadow from that, even though he's gifted in his own way. And, um, and so a lot of times he doesn't even want to try because he has this big brother who has succeeded in everything. And so we have to be careful
1: Except for tying his
0: shoes. Except for tying his shoes. He taught himself how to tie his shoes when he finally decided, I'm just going to try it and see what happens, you know? Yeah. And, and one of our mantras in our house is we can do hard things. And yeah. I think that helps every now and then.
1: Yes. So it's good to reinforce those ideas. The, the ones that... And, and it's also, it might be good to do some investigation into why they don't want to take on certain responsibility. So Mm -hmm. if it, if it is afraid, they're afraid they're going to make a mistake, you know, dig a little deeper and say, well, if you did mess up, what would that mean? You know, what would that look like? What are you afraid is going to happen if you make a mistake? Yeah. And, and try to uncover the root of what's really going on there. And a lot of times that goes back to their sense of worth and identity. You know, Mm -hmm. if they, if they mess up, that means that they're not, as worthy of love or or you know, somebody's gonna be angry with them or they're not gonna they're not gonna be as well taken care of, they're not gonna be as secure.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas if it's something that, oh, well, this is this is hard and it's frustrating, I like saying you can do hard things. Um what I also would like to say more is it's good for you to do things that feel hard and frustrating because that builds that resilience, that grit mm-hmm. that you need to deal with life on a day-to-day basis. You know, it, it's not, it's not just that you can do hard things. It's you can, you can do things that are hard and you can handle the frustration and discomfort of, of doing those things,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, so, and you got to know, you know, when to push them into that and when to just let them be. hmm because ultimately, they have to be the ones to make the choice that, okay, I'm going to do this hard thing, even though it's frustrating.
0: And another thing that is valuable if our kids actually are afraid of mistakes is having that conversation with them about some mistakes that you've made. Oh, yeah. We, we do that around the the dinner table. Sometimes – um when the year that our son was having a really hard year in school you know he would come home and be very upset about things that were going on and um and I would tell stories about his uncle who is my brother who also had kind of a troubled elementary career for a while and I would tell stories about me you know and and even things um I think just the other day you were talking to to them about a mistake that you made and um talking about it in a language that that shows them that we actually learn from those things and we can do better next time. And it's not the end of the world that we made this mistake, but that we can recover and move into a place of greater wisdom.
1: Yeah. That's really good stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. I think we're ready to wrap up. Rachel, where can people go to find us online?
0: In Intheboatwithben.com.
1: That's right. Go to intheboatwithben.com. You can listen to all of our episodes there. Um, you can also sign up for our newsletter there so we can keep you posted on things that are going on within the Boat with Ben. You'll also get uh, weekly show notes and link to our episodes as they publish. And if you want to help out the show, go to intheboatwithben.com slash iTunes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to read a review that we got recently. This one was from Anthony Grimes and he said, This podcast has something for everyone not just parents with children, a lot of the advice shared in this podcast is practical for anyone, and Ben and Rachel go out of their way to include everyone. Many of their stories are based on their children, but then go the extra mile to relate to any other group as well. This makes the podcast genuine and applicable to the masses. The range of topics covered in this podcast make listening engaging and leaving you wanting the next installment. Both Ben and Rachel are very talented at their creative pursuits and managing their work-life balance. Join them on their journey through these uncharted waters.
0: Oh, that was sweet.
1: Yeah, and so you can you can also leave a review for us. I love I love these that say you know what we what we have to say specifically about family life and parenting is also applicable to people who don't have kids because really. You know, kids are just human beings. Yeah, we're all human beings, and and so we're all experiencing a lot of these same things.
0: Like all of life is integrated.
1: I, all of all of life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: elephants and parasites. <laughs> That's you know, not like what I mean. they're. linked I mean, together. all the aspects no. of life. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, I would I would love to hear specifically from parents and families too. I'd I'd love to hear from anybody, but if you have a family, you've been listening to this show and something that we've said or shared has influenced you or your family in a positive way, leave us a review, let us know so that we can share it with others and encourage others to uh, listen to these episodes. If you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson Mm -hmm. and you can follow me on Snapchat at Ben Tolson. Thank you guys very much for listening today. Thank you. And we will see you next time. so I'm going to get a little bit fiery here about something that I saw recently. I, I, somebody posted something on Facebook that I disagreed with.
0: Okay. What was this that you disagreed with?
1: I mean, that's just kind of a funny thing to say. Oh, actually, because
0: there are a lot of things. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It was, it was a picture. It looked like it was maybe from, the, the 70s or 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a couple of kids. They were playing outside. Okay. Um, you know, just kind of like wh- what you might think of as old America. Okay. Classic American boy, whatever. And.
0: Mince the words, Ben.
1: What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I know. So, <laughs> so it had, it had captions on it that said, here's to the last generation of real boys who grew up to be real men. Hmm. And...
0: What is that supposed to mean?
1: I, I don't know what the intention was behind it, but I think the idea was that kids nowadays aren't the same as kids... Who back, Sorry. You know, back when there wasn't all this technology and stuff like that. You know, it's they're very different, and because because they played outside, because they were raised by real men, because of you oh, know whatever, man. I they, feel a fire. Yeah, they they were the last generation to grow up to be real men. Yeah, and and I have a huge huge problem with this way here, of thinking.
0: Here, let me let me say something real quick. Okay, um, I'm I'm just gonna revise that little picture that you heard real quick. Here's to the first generation of boys who grew up to be real dads. How about that? Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I I have a big fire about this too. I have a very big problem with.
1: There's. Okay. So I want to be really careful not to be disrespectful to older generations, because what's, what's true is that we basically, for the most part, culturally, Mm -hmm. um, we are products of our upbringing. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's not, that's not to say that there's no sense of responsibility there. That's not to say, oh, so they get a free pass for being whatever way you know, generations ago, it was very distant and not available. Mm-hmm. You know, constantly working, the next generation mostly so, left. Yeah, <laughs> mostly left didn't stay and deal. And so, so no, nobody gets a free pass, right? But, but they are also culturally they're they are the product of the way that they were raised, their upbringing. And so, what? What I think is very ignorant about that post is that there is any real difference between fundamentally between who we are as human beings 20 years ago and who we are as human beings today. Mm-hmm. Um, boys will grow up to be men. Now, I also have an issue with what has previously been the accepted and celebrated definition of manliness, Mm -hmm. you know, what a real man, be a man. I don't, I don't even want to say those words to my boys. No. Be a man in in that understanding of, oh, you've got to be macho. You've got to be careful about how you show your emotions You've got to behave a certain way. You've got to walk and talk a certain way. You've got to be confident all the time. You've got to always fall. know what you're doing. You can't mm-hmm. make mistakes. You can't tell anybody that you're, a scare, that you're uh, afraid, scared, or unsure of something.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, th- that is not what being a real man is.
2: Nope.
1: And I'm not going to sit here and say that my definition of what a real man is is perfect. But what I, th- I think what my definition of being a real man is, is very close to what being a, a decent human being is.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
1: being honest and, um, and sometimes that means saying, I've, I feel afraid.
0: Mm-hmm. Or I feel depressed or, or yeah, I feel incredibly sad.
1: Being able, being able to own your mistakes and say, yeah, I, I made a mistake here and not pass off blame.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: being caring uh, being being open and expressive with your emotions but not but, but there's not a mandate for that either like if you're not a person who's emotionally expressive that's okay too anyways I, I don't I don't want to get too much into that but
0: helping your partner around the house helping raise the kids
1: yeah so so anyway I I don't want to try to force my kids into this idea of what it looks like to be a man that culture has created. Mm -hmm. And I also reject the idea that because of the state of things in the current culture, they are going to grow up to be less than who they have every potential to become. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So I, I just reject that. Yep. Um, I shared on my Snapchat story this morning uh, just some really brief thoughts about that. Before I took a quick video of our boys running from the top of the cul-de-sac down to our house, one of them wearing a Batman cape.
2: <laughs> yeah, they did that yesterday too. Now,
1: awesome. yeah there there are a lot there are a lot more distractions. There's a lot of technology. There there are a lot of boys who are staying and playing video games and, and not getting out into nature as much as they should. And, and those, those things are going to make certain things difficult, but, but those are not the markers of who Manliness. they will become. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've, I've got some ideas about, I want my boys to be playing outside. I want them to be connected to nature. I want them to have those kind of experiences and favor those above. know sitting down and passively consuming um digital content but that's also not who they are and who they will become Mm -hmm. there are other things that are way more important that that play a role in that and and those are the things that i want to focus on
2: Yeah.